Riddle Me That is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Use creation tools right from your phone and your computer, and Anchor will distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And it's free. And now, your host, Alex Riddle. Riddle, 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 Riddle. What is up, everybody? You're tuning in to the Riddle Me That podcast with your host, Alex Riddle. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into the World Series as the LA Dodgers have defeated the Tampa Bay Rays 3-1 in Game 6 uh, to break their 32-year World Series drought. It was a long time coming for the Dodgers. I feel like they've won the championship the last decade, but they keep coming in second, so it was a long time overdue. For the Dodgers, so good for them. Uh, sad for the Tampa Bay Rays just to come up a little bit short. They had such a f- fun ride. They had all the postseason magic on their side. But they had such a bright future ahead of them, led by an, led by a guy named Azarena who broke every record imaginable in the postseason this year. So lots to be positive about. Obviously sad right now, but they're going to get over it, and they're going to come back fighting next year. But congrats to L.A., uh, it's an L.A. pandemic-filled year with the Dodgers and the Lakers winning championships. So happy for them that they can win it COVID-style. We'll see if they can bring it for the next seasons to come. I'm sure they're going to be looking to go back-to-back. So definitely some hot headlines right there. But good for the city of L.A. They definitely deserved it. On other news, we have big news in the fantasy football world. Big Sam was found this week. There's been concern that you know, we couldn't find him. We didn't know where he was because his lineup wasn't set the past five weeks. But it was set this week, and he performed against Sukun Saloon, but wasn't enough against a Sukun Saloon team that is battle-tested and ready to win a championship this year. You, you'll have to find out in the in the Fick Bowl segment. But lots to talk about there. We have the Bears getting their asses stomped on by the LA Rams on Monday. You know, the city of Chicago right now in shambles. Is it are the Bears frauds? Are they for real? Lots to talk about with the comments made by Nick Foles about Matt Nagy's play calling. So very interesting to see how the Bears are going to uh, finish this year or, you know, at least for the next few weeks. So we'll discuss the Bears future and if they have a serious chance to have a run at it in the playoffs. So it was only a matter of time before the LA Dodgers was going to win their first championship since 1988, I believe it was. Hard to believe that that's the last year they won a championship. It just sucks it has to be against a team. Like the Tampa Bay Rays just really deserve one. The Rays have been so good now for the last, you know, five, six years. Never talked about this year, I've talked about it before. They've they're the number one seed in the playoffs, and they just you know no one even thought twice to say, oh yeah, raised to the you know the World Series, and but they beat teams, you know besides the Toronto Blue Jays, who was yeah they were a good young team, but besides them, they had to play the New York Yankees. Okay, they had to go up against Garrett Cole in a game five, do or die. 
they survive. They then have to go up against a Houston Astros team that they were trying to prove the world wrong that, you know, since the Ching scandal, they're a new team. Uh, Jose Altuve was something to prove. The Astros go down 3-0 to the Rays, and they come back to tie up the series at 3. And you think, okay, well, now the Houston Astros have to, you know, get it done. But no, the Tampa Bay Rays somehow find a way to win in Game 7. And there they are in the World Series against who else? The L.A. freaking Dodgers, uh, who are, you know, the most hungry team in baseball history to win that championship. The best hungry team I've ever seen. You know, a team filled with Mookie Betts, Bellinger, Justin Turner. The list goes on. Muncie. I mean, every you look at the Dodgers lineup and you're like, wow. As a pitcher, that is the most tiring most mental roadblock I've ever seen. I mean, the energy you must have to put in against each and every batter, let alone having a guy on base. You have Mookie Betts lead off at first base. He's going to steal on your ass at any second. So hats off to the Rays for giving it their all this series. Randy Arozarena is, I think, everyone's hero right now. He, this rookie who's traded by, who else the, the St. Louis Cardinals, so thank God for the Cubbies, you know, not having to have to play against him for the next 20 years. But he, I never even heard of this guy until the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you know, I I didn't watch much of the series against the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, I'll, I'm watching the series against the Yankees, and they're like, oh, yeah, here's a Rosarena. You know, six for nine, you know, so far in the playoffs. I'm like, what the hell is this guy? And all of a sudden, just... Knock after knock, here comes Randy Rosarena, you know, just getting knocks against the Yankees. And then you take it to the Astros. I'm like, all right. I'm like, yeah, this guy's, you know, he was hot the last series. Let's see if he can do it again. First game, he's in dingers, running around the bases. I'm like, who is this guy? And and, and then I soon realize, I'm like, he's having, like, the best series I've ever seen. I, like, I, I don't think he's going to get up. I... I should have bet on him to get a home run every game because I think I would have profited after, you know, he hit the most postseason home runs in postseason history, in postseason history, not even by a rookie, but by anyone. I mean, he passes Barry freaking Bonds. I mean, who is this guy? He's he is the most hits ever in a single postseason game. I don't know. I don't know if I mean it. I mean, some people might say the crowd, you know, not having much of a crowd. No, I mean, there's no excuse. This guy could hit if. There was a gunpoint to his head. He is, he was getting, like, t- even tonight, you know, he you know, he hit another uh, first inning home run, oppo, and later in the game, you know, he gets just like, I thought he grounded out, He he's, you know, and he's a chopper to third, still gets through. I mean, this guy was invincible. Sad to see him in the dugout, pretty sad, you know, after the game, a lot of the Braves players were. But you know what, as I said before, they have nothing to hang their heads about. They had... Uh, and a, a remarkable, a remarkable run, uh, and you have me here talking more about the Rays than you are about the Dodgers because it was expected that the Dodgers would win the World Series this year. If if I had to choose anybody, I would pick the Dodgers to win it. If I would have made like a, uh, you know, a World Series pick before, uh, you know, it's easy to say now that like you know because they were down three one of the Braves. You know, they had to come back against the Rays, but at at, at the end of the day, I mean. 
they're the best team, and you know, and you know, same goes with uh, the Lakers. You know, in winning their championship, it's for me in this COVID season uh, for both NBA and MLB with no crowd. You you definitely have to take the the best team uh, as you know their your best chance to win because talent is ultimately going to win, and and the crowd plays such a huge factor that that can sometimes alter the talent, but. With no real crowd uh, and what's going on in the world, you know, it's, I definitely, you know, it's able to see clear that the best teams are probably going to win. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Rays could have won this series. I'm not saying they couldn't, you know, but the the Dodgers, you know, besides COVID had a lot to prove that this was, you know, their year. They needed to win, you know, to prove that, you know, they belong uh, with the great, and they they have a a roster filled with just immense amount of talent. So I'm not, you know, they should have won this World Series, uh, but I was really hoping for the Rays to win. Uh, you know, I, as I talked in the last podcast, I was all about the Rays. I thought they had a really good shot to win, but they're gonna they're gonna be right back here for the next few years. I would love to see if they can get maybe another pitcher. I I know they have Snell, Glass now, but at the end of the day, they kind of ran out of starters against the Dodgers. You know, their bullpen solid, but they were used so much. Uh, in this postseason, so they're definitely gassed. Uh, you know, a team that heavily relies on a lot of bullpen games and just, you know, having them, Blake Snow never got past the sixth inning. It was a huge controversial move tonight by Blake Snow getting, you know, he had, you know, and through four innings, he had about nine Ks. You know, he was, you know, he tied, he broke a, you know, or at least tied a Sandy Koufax record for strikeouts in a World Series game. So very confused why they took him out. I know that, you know, Cash doesn't like to, you know, have his starting pitchers go for too long, but he definitely should have stayed in. I mean, at this point, it's you know, you have nothing to lose. You might as well leave him in until he lets up, you know, a lot of runs. But he was not in that. It kind of reminds me of Ricky Renteria. I mean, it's a big stream, but uh, taking out Dane Dunning in the first inning after, you know, he had two outs, but he had some guys on. I mean, that's a bit different. But at the same time, it was I thought it was a rushed uh, substitution or, you know, bullpen move. So definitely going to be a huge question mark there. Like, did that cost them the series? I I can't say it did because you know, there was obviously other factors. But at this point, you know, people are going to look at that and say, you know, this is a key factor, uh, moving you know on to for seasons to come. But I'm excited to see where these two teams go. I mean, the Dodgers are always going to be competing as long as they have this roster, which I think they will for you know a while. So they're they're definitely going to be going back to back. But let's see if the Rays can make another run next year. You know, watch out. Uh, for another Rays Dodgers World Series, uh, standoff next year. I mean, it's it's easy to call that now. I feel like every time there's a World Series, I'm like, oh, these teams are definitely gonna make it back next year. Baseball is one of those sports where it two it can be two completely different teams next year. Uh, it it just matters who's hot going to the playoffs, who's healthy. Uh, so I I'm not gonna sit here and predict the and predict that the Dodgers and Rays are gonna make it, but they definitely both are gonna be competing uh, next year. So. Both of them are, are going to make the playoffs, but we'll see uh, how far they get next season. I want to go into the – I want to change to the NFL here, uh, specifically to the Chicago Bears-LA Rams uh, Monday night matchup last night. That, that was hard to watch. For me, uh, I've said in the past, I'm a Bears fan, but I'm not diehard Bears fan like I am with the – with the Bulls and the White Sox and the Nationals and the Northwestern Wildcats, of course. Uh, the Bears are a team where 
as long as they're relevant and good, I will, you know, so it makes you sound like a bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon because I will watch them if they're 2-14. and 14. Uh, I'm just not going to give them, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, hurt inside. Uh, I, you know, because I'm just so invested into fantasy football that, you know, the Bears are awesome when they're, you know, they're 5-2 they're and two right now. They, you know, they get a spot on, you know, the third television on the left. Uh, unless it's prime time against the main screen, of course. But if they're a noon game, you know they're going to get their own TV uh, until they're you know I guess unwatchable. But I don't think they will this year. I think they're going to be relevant. You know I think they might make the playoffs. You know it's they're five and two, but there's a lot of teams in the hunt right now, so they might be able to sneak in. But it sucks, you know, when they're you know they're going to be competing with a team like the LA Rams for that wild card spot. So because the Bears aren't going to win their division with the Green Bay Packers, uh, who I'm picking to win the division. But at the end of the day, it was hard to watch because the LA Rams defense was so good, uh, but the Bears offense was also so bad. Uh, Nick Foles was, you know, after the game saying, you know, in a short story short, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was he, he was criticizing Matt Nagy's play calling. You know, he's saying he's not the one on the field. You know, he can't see what's coming. Uh, so that's, that's a little concerning for Bears fans. Uh, but... Just their play calling was, it was just hard to like understand what the mindset was. You know, fourth and one on their own, thirty, and they're running the ball to Cordell Patterson, a pitch play, losing two yards on the play. I mean, that's just, you know, not what you want to see. Uh, it was hard to see Johnny Hecker. You know, all the, uh, all Brian Greasy was talking about. You know, the Monday night announcer, uh, for the game was just how good he was. And it's hard to see, sit there and watch as a Bears fan, be like, wow, like. The punter is a player of the game for the Rams. It's just kind of sad. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Rams were the better team on Monday. So, And the Bears could easily be 2-5 and five right now. You know, They had to come back against the Falcons. The Lions gave us a game. So you have to be thankful as a fan that we are uh, where we are right now. But it, 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 it is concerning going forward when you're playing a team like the New Orleans Saints who are hot right now, Drew Brees. Uh, even without a receiver is figuring it out. Uh, guys are stepping up. Kamara, of course, looking good. The defense, the run defense, one of the best in the league. And they have Sean Payton, so they're going to be tough. And they have the Tennessee Titans after that. Derrick Henry, I feel like even though the Bears defense is one of the best in the league, you know, there, there's always so much you can do when you're on the field the whole game against Derrick Henry. So we've seen what Derrick Henry has done against good defenses. So it's going to be interesting to see how we handle him. And Ryan Tannehill, who's probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks in his in the history of the game, so a couple real tough, tough tests coming up for the Bears. Will they be ready? Will Nagy and Nick Foles figure it out? Or are we going to be asking for uh, Trubisky to come back? It's hard to sit here and be like, we want you. It's, it's one game. It's crazy how one game you're already, you know, people already say, oh, is Nick Foles going to be benched? Like, it's one game. Everyone has a bad game. I still want Nick Foles as my starter, even if they lose the next two games. Because these are good teams. You can't blame it all on Nick Foles uh, when your offensive line can't hold anybody. You know, that's real. That's the real issue here. Nick Foles had, yeah, he made some, you know, pretty bad throws last night. But he also has no time to throw the ball. He's about to get his life handed to him from Aaron, you know, from Aaron Donald on the other side. Uh, so the Bears have a lot to work on. But at, at, at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm satisfied with the Bears being 5-2 and two right now. I think they're going to, you know, be competing till the end of the season. And that's all you can really ask as a fan. You know, you can't sit here whining that, you know, 
oh, I want to win the World Series. Are we the one seed? I mean, come on. You can't think like that. You got to feel like, you know, as long as the Bears are competing for a playoff spot, that's all you can ask for as a Chicago fan. Riddle's rant of the week. My Riddle's rant of the week is going out to a man named Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve is the co-host to Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats section. Two weeks in a row, Stanford. Two weeks in a row, you've screwed me. Uh, you know he's he's been hot in the gambling world. Uh, you know he keeps talking about how how good his record was. You know, and you know what? He had the track record to break it up. I I checked out his podcast. He he made good picks. Uh, so I was watching the SVP show. So during the bad beats section, you know they give the bad beats on the previous weekend. You know all the uh, the spreads that should have hit but didn't, uh, and for the over unders as well. Uh, and he so he gave out one of his picks for the last two weeks. So he took uh, West Virginia uh, minus twenty two against Kansas, probably the worst team in the league uh, in Kansas. And then he had Rice minus three against. A Middle Tennessee State that was one and five, so you know both his picks solely going off the fact that both teams he was betting against were really bad, and both of them screwing me. West Virginia up by twenty eight points with a minute left. Kansas gets a ninety four yard touchdown reception to lose by twenty one points. You're killing me, Stanford. You're killing me. Then last week we have the quadruple doink. Where Rice in overtime to win for the field goal just to push. I'm just looking to push here. Minus three. Quadruple doink by Rice. It hits the post not once, not twice, not three times, four times before falling forward. Uh, before Middle Tennessee Middle Tennessee State wraps it up in double overtime with an easy uh, run in. By their quarterback, it was a sad, it was a sad game. Uh, the last two weeks, you know, I really can't understand. Like, you know, I'm trying to do some research here, and it just really didn't work. So I'm definitely never taking Stanford Steve's advice again. I'll still watch bad beats. I love bad beats, but having the, you know, number one bad beat for two weeks in a row, uh, I think it's time for me to retire from taking Stanford Steve's picks. Chief or spotlight of the week. My G4 spot of the week has to go out to the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray with an unbelievable upset win over the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night. That's probably one of my most favorite games to watch, uh, but mostly because uh, I bet on the Cardinals to win uh, and they won. Uh, but they just they showed so much heart uh, against a team in the Seahawks with a quarterback in Russell Wilson who, in, in my opinion, should win MVP. He looks, he looks unstoppable. Uh, I, he, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson must have the best chemistry I've ever seen. Uh, or it's probably just because I was playing him uh, against D'Lo, uh, who goes off for 40 points, 200 yards, three tutties, 15 reception. I mean, that was hard uh, to endure. But at the end of the day, 
Arizona, even after missing a game-winning field goal in overtime, get the ball back, uh, and Zane Gonzalez doesn't miss twice, uh, putting the Cardinals on top uh, to get a three-point victory over the Seahawks. The Cardinals are now 5-2 and two in that division. That is going to be one unbelievable finish to end the season uh, where it's a conference in the NFC West where you have the LA Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks. I mean, that team from top to bottom is, you know, it. it's going to be a barn burner uh, till the end. It, it's sad that all, uh, not every team in the, in the division is going to be able to make the playoffs. Uh, so it's going to be interesting down the stretch. Uh, who's going to be able to prevail? Who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be hot? But great statement win for the Cardinals right there. Uh, is now they're sitting comfortably at five and two. Uh, but like I said, with a division like that, every week's a playoff week as you can't afford to slip uh, in that close of a race. My flick of the week this week, it's gonna go to a fan favorite, uh, a personal favorite of mine. I I was actually just on Barstool, uh, watching that One Minute Man podcast section, and he was promoting uh, Hocus Pocus. Uh, you know, as they're trying to create, you know, well, not trying to create, they are creating a Hocus Pocus 2 uh, and releasing it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Hocus Pocus, I, I think it was on Netflix or it was on Hulu recently. Uh, that was actually one of my favorite Halloween movies uh, growing up. It's one of those movies where, as they were talking about in the Barcelona podcast, it's it's not the goriest movie, you know, it's not the bloodiest, it's not, you know, it's it doesn't have a killer like Jason or Freddy Krueger, but... It does have witches, and it does have spells, so it was pretty freaking scary uh, when I was growing up. You know, I'm eight years old. I'm sitting in my basement watching Hocus Pocus. You know, Hocus Pocus watching witches get burned alive. Uh, everyone getting spells casted on them. You know, eerie music throughout. And so I was, you know, definitely scared, but definitely really entertained. Uh, and it's a movie that I constantly was going to Blockbuster uh, and watching it with my sisters or even just you know. My family or just myself, honestly. It's one of those movies that anyone uh, can sit down and watch with each other. So definitely I recommend, uh, you know, especially with Halloween coming up this weekend. Uh, if you want to get spooked out a little bit and actually, you know, watch a solid Halloween movie, uh, I recommend Hocus Pocus. For the bet of the week this week, we're going to take it to college football. A really gross matchup here on Thursday night. Not a lot of options here, uh, but... South Alabama, five and a half point underdogs on the road against Georgia Southern. I'm taking the points in South Alabama. Both teams three and two. South South Alabama win their last two games. Uh, both like to put up a lot of points. Not a lot of defense can be played in this game. But I'm liking South Alabama here. I I haven't watched a lot of South Alabama this year, uh, but just by looking at their last couple games, they like to put up points. Georgia Southern letting up a lot of points uh, in their last couple of games. I think that South Alabama, not sure if, if they're going to get the W, but they're going to be competing heavily on Thursday night. Uh, so I'm taking the points here. I think South Alabama uh, keeps it close against Georgia Southern on Thursday night. Five and a half. Lock it in. It is now time for the Week 7 overview for the Fickner Cup, Fantasy Football League, the best league 
in Elmhurst, the best league in Illinois, the best league in the world. It was a crazy week seven. A lot of games coming down to the Monday Night Bears-Rams game. We had teams needing defenses uh, to get sacks, to get picks, kind of some gross uh, necessities, I would say, uh, for guys in the league needing uh, certain random players and positions to perform. But I want to get right into the main headline here, which was the title of the podcast, Big Sam Was Found. A huge matchup between the 5-1 Sukun Saloon going up against rival Big Sam. Big Sam, the headline here, finally setting his lineup. A complete lineup for Big Sam. And he put up 130 points. The third highest point scorer in the league for Week 7. But it wasn't enough. As the second highest points leader for Week 7, the Sukun Saloons coming out with 140.4 victory to 130.18 for Big Sam. It was a great effort by Big Sam. Uh, He had a 30-point lead going into Sunday night. Uh, But Kyler Murray was ready. Kyler Murray putting up 360 yards and four touchdowns. 37 fantasy points. DK Metcalf didn't help out, you know, 3.3. Because Tyler Lockett had a, a bajillion points. But you had Kamara putting up his usual 18. Weak, weak game for him, honestly. You had a key addition pick up Gio Bernard getting a late touchdown against the Browns, getting 18.1. T. Higgins, a first-week start for the Saloons after having Adam Thielen on by. Aaron Jones also out this week with injury, so it was the next-man mentality for the Saloons, which is why Gio Bernard was in. But T. Higgins... 16.3, a touchdown. Starting two Bengals players this week. Bold statement. Uh, But going against the Browns defense, I was confident that Higgins and Bernard would get it done. Antonio Gibson going up against a shit Dallas Cowboys defense. Getting 128 yards, a touchdown, 18.8. And a Buffalo D getting 16. Against the Carolina defense for Big Sam getting zero. It was the Devontae Adams performance of 38.1, really putting Big Sam on the map. He had every single guy going at noon, uh, so it was a catch-up performance for the Saloons this week. So definitely made it interesting towards the end. But it was Kyler Murray ultimately getting the victory. Not only the best quarterback in the league, but the best fantasy player in the league, putting up the most points uh, for any position. So huge win for the Saloons here, moving up to 6-1. Coming off a loss to the bailouts, didn't want to lose twice going up against a tough matchup with Nato next week. So, unfortunately, Big Sam, it was a hard-fought battle, but only one saloon could win, and it was Sue's saloon, baby. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the 10-point defeat, but hopefully this goes to show that if you set your lineup from here on out, you can make a name for yourself in this league, and you don't have to lose every single game the rest of the season going forward. But, 
Ultimately, Big Sam, 1-6. Not looking good going into the playoffs. It's going to take a miracle for him to make a comeback. But he's not done yet. Hopefully, this is a lesson for him that his team is not that bad. He just needs to set his lineup. That's it. Going into a little bit of a grosser matchup here. Not not in teams, uh, but in numbers this week. We had a nail-biter here we, between Big Daddy for three about that action. And it was ultimately a about that action, 86.5 to 85.3 victory over Big Daddy. It came down to the LA Rams defense on Monday night. Coughlin needed two more points out of his defense to get a victory. Uh, he, he needed 16 out of the Rams. They only got 14. If they could have picked off Nick Foles one more time, on the, those last couple of desperation heaves, Big Daddy would have been victorious. But it ultimately was another grind-out win for a deep bout-that-action team that, you know, wasn't starting Miles Sanders because of injury. Lamar Jackson on bye. Justin Jefferson on bye. But it was guys like Terry McLaurin with 18.5 leading the way. Stafford doing his part, getting 18.4. That was pretty much it, uh, as his next highest score was Derrick Henry at 14.2. Uh, but the real storyline here is, is Jarek McKinnon for Coughlin really screwing him here, only getting negative .1. It was you know barely getting any time on the field, which makes no sense because McKinnon has been getting time, and all of a sudden he's just not being used at all. So really getting, it, it felt like kind of a Patriots-ran style of offense for the San Francisco 49ers as he used or as Shanahan used multiple running backs, you know, not really it's going forward. It shows that you can't really trust starting any of the Niners running backs going forward. But with, you know, Le'Veon Bell not being trustworthy yet, Mostert not playing Latavius Murray, you know, being behind Kamara Coffin does not have a lot of options here with starting McKinnon. So it's going to be interesting going forward, seeing what McKinnon can do for his team, but right now moving Coughlin to three and four, about that action is six and one. Coughlin can never count the guy out. You know, being three and four is unprecedented territory for him, but it's a guy that knows how to win, and and he's not gonna stop fighting. So he's not a team that you want to be playing, going trying to get into the playoffs as he's gonna give you everything he has every game. It was a hard fought battle. But at the end of the day, it's about that action. Moving up to 6-1, and one, continuing to live up to his hype. It's a good day being part of that hype squad. Another absolute nail-biter here. We have McGee's centipede Mike Nasser getting the 111.92 dub to 111.12. Minneapolis Mike Caputo's. It was a game that I thought the Caputo's had, but the Centipedes can't kept coming. This is a team that some people ruled out early in the Centipedes, being one and four, being towards the bottom of the power rankings, but they have now showed that. They maybe found a voice on their team. It it has been Russell Wilson. Uh, 
in the past, you know, but they started slumping. And you would think, you know, after another great performance, it would be him. But I think it's Mike Nasser himself. I think he's gone into that locker room and has single-handedly been countering with his team. I think that's the only scenario to this comeback right now from Nasser is he's countering. And he's 3-4 and four to show from it. He's a man that when he's winning, he's all about the hype. And right now, he's feeling good about himself. He's 3-4. and four. He's one game out of the playoffs. He's in it till the end. He has put himself in a position where you don't want to play a hot McGee's team going into the playoffs. And that's just what Nasser is producing right now in that locker room. It's tough to see a team at the Minneapolis Mike Caputo's go to three and four, but that's a bad man three and four team. And that's a bad man Aaron Rodgers voice right there. Don't let the record fool you. The Minneapolis Mike Caputo's roster is a championship roster. You don't want to play that team around playoff time. I say that about every team, but I'm not kidding. The saloons are going in to another hostile territory game in the Minneapolis Micropitos. I always say you don't want to play Big Daddy for three coming off a loss. You don't want to play the Caputos coming off a loss. And that's just plain and simple. So watch out for both these teams. The McGee's still have more to prove, but they are right at the cusp of making an unprecedented playoff run. So watch out for both these teams. Ultimately, you hate to see one of these teams lose, but the McGee's are the big winner here. They have momentum going forward. A blowout matchup here that just blows my mind. You have the 69ers featuring Nick and Madison with a huge blowout victory against the bailouts. 172.96. To 118.6. It wasn't a bad performance by the bailouts. You know, pretty good numbers right there. 120. Not always going to win with 120, but a lot of times we'll get the job done. But not when you have Tyler Lockett putting up 45 points on Sunday night. Uh, Not to mention James Robinson with 29.7. Jamal Williams with 19.4. B. Scott. uh, I just love calling him B. Scott on Philadelphia. 16.7. 16.7. Huge performance out of the boys. It, the commissioner baffles me because he's a man that gets hated every day in the fantasy group chat. But he continues to grind. You know, I've been... I've been, uh, you know, I've been told that, you know, I've been hyping him up too much uh, on the podcast. You know, we had a great time on the pod when he came on. You know, we had a great conversation. A uh, real big heart to heart tear. A real big heart to heart on the league. Uh, and he's my commission. I stand by him. But I've also, you know, I've been talking a lot of shit. I've been saying he's been trending down. Okay, for a few weeks now. Ladies and gentlemen, the 69ers are trending up. This is a team that has battled injuries with Austin Eckler. Saquon Barkley, you know, a draft pick in Leonard Fournette that really hasn't worked out. But here he is, 
on top of the division, a shitty East division, but on top of the division, no less, at four and three. He's a man that's that's living on the edge, but he's sitting there, he's and, and feeling good about himself. The next two players in his division, you have Ethan Holman and Mike Nasser at three and four. They're one game out, but Mr. Boyd's four and three, and he's in it for the long haul. He's one of those guys that scraps his way into the playoffs. Obviously, he has something to prove with all the hate that he's getting this year. You know, a lot of booze going out to the commissioner, Manfred style. But he's right there. And when he gets a win like this over a quality, quality bailouts team, who are still sitting at 5-2, and two, may I say. So the bailouts have nothing to shake their head about. You know, he's the bailouts have won five in a row going into this week. So they were so they were due for a loss. So I if I'm the bailouts here, you know, you put up 120, you shake your head, and you go into next week's matchup feeling good because the commissioner went off this week. Nothing you can do. Ultimately, a huge win for Boyd. You know, going four and three, didn't want to go three and four uh, to tie up Nasser and Holman. So lots of work to be done, but big win for the 69ers as they showed that. They can compete with anyone in this league. The last matchup here, a real ugly matchup uh, between Ethan Holman and Nick Pastovic. Holman eking out 103.32 score to 99.72 for Dan Fernandez Vegas Sun. Ticket going to 1-6 uh, after a huge win last week over Big Daddy for 3. But was ultimately... Holman getting the win, moving him to three and four, adding on to his bandwagon of don't count Holman out. Holman has everyone exactly where he wants him. Now, it's been clear, it's been told to me by Holman himself that he only listens to the podcast when he wins. So he's definitely going to be listening to this one because he, you know, he wants to hear uh, me praise his team. I'm just going to let you know, Holman, that even though you're 3-4, and four, you have a lot of work to be done. You have a team where you're starting Melvin Gordon, who had two fumbles. That's not going to get it done in the playoffs. You started a guy in City Lamp who got 0.1 with a quarterback, and not even Andy Dalton, a third string, who I already forgot his name. So you're going to have to find a way. You do have Christian McCaffrey coming back. That's huge. So, McCaffrey coming back to your spark. Uh, you got to start starting. Well, no, you can't even start Joe Burrow anymore because you dropped him. Uh, so, you're starting Big Ben now who has not been putting up great fantasy numbers recently. So, you you are proving the league wrong right now. Uh, well, I don't even know if you are. I mean, I think people know that you love to start, you know, last in the league and then move your way up. And, that, and, and that's what you're doing right now. So, you are doing it the Ethan Holman way. So I give you credit and I give you props. You are back. You are in it. You are you are not a team that, you know, someone, someone that's trying to make the playoffs wants to play because you love to grind out those victories. And I give it to you. But don't think just because you're three and four that you can sit back all relaxed because you got work to do, my guy. You got work to do. 
But I'm proud to say that, you know what? You are making a run. You are sh- shutting up the haters. But you have... If one or two more losses, we're right back where we started. So, it's one week in... The playoffs have already started for you two weeks ago. Let's say if you can keep bringing it for the weeks to come. It's now time to move into the end of week seven, start of week eight power rankings, and they go as told. At number 10, we have Big Sam himself. Big Sam... Starting off 1-0 in this league, has now lost six straight. Probably having a, he definitely had a second best week this week against the Saloons, but it wasn't enough to get that second victory on the year. So for that, you earn yourself the number 10 spot for the second week in a row. At number 9, we have Mr. Nick Pastuvic, big ticket. Ticket trying to answer his week six win over Big Daddy for three with a week seven win over Ethan Holman. Wasn't able to do it, uh, moving himself to one and six as well. But showing, you know, he showed fight. He was right there. He needed David Montgomery to get him, you know, I think like 14 points. Did not reach that milestone. Uh, so losing by Holman to four hurts. Starting Zach Ertz. In your tight end spot. If you just start a tight end, you probably win ticket. So you can't really be that upset when you know you don't early in the week take out your injured tight end and put in a replacement. So for that, you you should almost earn the tenth spot. But Big Sam, you know, if you're in the tenth the week before, I'm not gonna move you up if you don't get the W. So ultimately I'm leaving it the way it is. Big Sam at ten, Nick Pastovic at nine. At number eight, this is where it gets tough here because you know what? Everyone's competing right now and it's tough to put anyone in the eight spot. But I got to put Mike Nasser in the eight hole right now. He's tied with Ethan, one game out of the playoffs. So don't take the eight spot as an insult. You get one more victory to go up four and four. You get someone else to lose. You're right up in the playoffs. But for the time being... Uh, based on the points for uh, and, and just overall performance, Human Centipedes are at number 8 for Week 7. But you are coming off a win, Nasser. I love, I'm liking your team right now. You're showing resilience. You found that voice. Uh, but you have more work to do. Uh, and before I put you up higher in the rankings, you have to get to that 500 mark uh, with a signature win uh, over another hot team in the league. At number seven, we have Ethan Holman coming in hot at seven. This is where it gets tough. The three and four teams right now, uh, the Holman, Holman and the Centipedes have been in that seven, eight hole for a while. Uh, but it's tough when now you have two other three and four teams and Big Daddy for three. And Nick Fernando, who have all who who have been that four or five range. I'm still liking Fernando and Coughlin over Nasser and Holman for now. Uh, and I'm not playing favoritism here. I'm not, you know, choosing the West over the East. But 
despite Holman and Nasser both winning two in a row, and the Caputos and Big Daddy for three losing two in a row, I'm going off schedule strength right now. Nato and Coughlin definitely having a harder strength of schedule than Holman and Nasser so far this year. Uh, so I I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Nasser at seven or Nasser at eight, Holman at seven. But give it one more week, and there will be a flip flop if wins aren't made by Big Daddy for three and Fernando. At number six, speaking of Big Daddy for three, we have Big Daddy for three coming at six, Kyle Coughlin, coming off a surprising second loss in a row. I've always, you know, preached you don't want to play Big Daddy for three, uh, coming off a loss, but he he couldn't get it done this week against uh, about that action, but. That's about that action team that has, you know, produced all season long, being six and one right now. So I I don't fall to the loss, but it's tough losing two in a row in a league where everybody's playing somebody uh, tough. So it was a tough second loss for Coughlin, especially with Lebo only putting up eighty six, uh, but Coughlin only put up eighty five. So tough loss there. But that's why you're at the number six mark right now. You got to get another dub to get back on top, which I think we all know. You don't want to play Coughlin coming off two losses, uh, so he'll. Res- we'll see how he responds next week. But number six, Big Daddy for three. At number five, we have Minneapolis Mike Caputo's Nick Fernando. Nick Fernando coming off another surprising second loss in a row. Uh, to Mr. Nasser. I really wanted to, you know, move Nasser higher up after that win against Nato, but you know, with with the the rank with the rankings previously being a little separated, I can't just flip flop him like that. You know, Nato. I'm still I still like Nato's team more than Nasser's right now. Uh, no offense to Nasser, but I think Nato, you know, still has an elite team in this league. You know, he's shown it. He's lost a couple in a row, but give him a few more weeks. I think Nato's going to prove why he has that championship team. But for right now, Nick Fernando at number five. At number four, we have the commissioner himself, Mr. Luke Boyd. Luke Boyd right now, He's he's trending up after he was trending down. He's a team that he he comes in waves. You know, there's weeks where you're like, wow, this team's good. But there's weeks where it's like, wow, like you're going to the freak bowl. But he's, you know, he's he's comfortably in that four spot right now. You know, he's looking for his respect all year. I've definitely given it to him. You know, I've definitely challenged him the last couple weeks. But he's definitely deserving of the number four team right now in the league. Uh, we'll see how he responds the next couple of weeks with this number four spot. Uh, he He's a fringe four for sure, but he's definitely in there, you know, solid, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, but number four, Luke Boyd. At number three, 
we have the bailouts. The Dotson bailouts coming off a tough loss uh, to the commissioner last week. These rankings seem a little fraud this week because everyone that lost to each other is still below that person that they lost to, even though they just got a dub. Power rankings don't work, you know, if you beat a team that you flip-flop with them. You know, it just based off, it, you know, it's based off where you were before. Uh, and being, you know, seven weeks into the season, you know, everyone has their strength to schedule, uh, and they have good wins, they have bad losses, so you have to take all that into account. Uh, so, but the bailouts are still 5-2 and two right now. Uh, you know, starting off 0-1 to 5-1, and one, uh, beating the saloons last week, handing the saloons their first loss uh, on the season. Uh, so, tough loss for Bales, but they still put up 120 points. I like where they're at right now. They're going to be just fine. Uh, but it's a Bales coming in at number three. At number two, we have about that action. About that action uh, with another big victory uh, over Big Daddy for three, even though it was ugly. Uh, a win's a win. I, I've been preaching that all season. It doesn't matter how it's done. Uh, but he got the job done. Uh, but with an 86-points performance, uh, I don't think that's deserving of the number one team uh, for the Week 7 Power Rankings. But he did get it done, and you know, come playoff time, it doesn't matter if you win 10-9. to As long as you win and, and your name advances in the ESPN bracket, that's all that matters. Uh, but Lebo, 6-1, having that type of year where he's just having all that magic, he has that hype. He's living up to that hype. Uh, so it's exciting to see a team like about that action performing like they are. So they're going to be an exciting team come playoff time. Let's hope they can continue having that magic. And number one, we have the Sukun Saloons returning to the top of the power rankings for the second week. It was, it was a tough, I knew it was going to be a grind out uh, game against Big Sam this week. I knew he was coming for me. But it wasn't enough against the tough-minded saloon squad being down star running back Aaron Jones, being down Thielen who had a bye. It's the next man up mentality. Uh, and it was exciting to see guys like Antonio Gibson breaking out and T. Higgins having a great game, Gio Bernard coming through. So it was the role guys this week getting it done, uh, but ultimately leaving it into the hands of Kyler Murray, uh, who's, who's trying to lead me uh, to a saloon's playoff run trying to get that by, trying to trying to break the streak of freak ball appearances for the saloon. So it's it's great to be on top right now, but a lot of work to be done. A lot of a lot of weeks left to be played. Uh so we're happy where we're at. Uh, but we're humble. You know, and we're ready for our, our next matchup with the Caputos next week, uh, which leads me into uh the week 8 uh matchups for the Figner Cup. Uh, so let's go right into it uh, with my matchup with the Sukun Saloons going up against the Minneapolis Mike Caputos. The Caputos coming off two tough losses in a row. They're due for a win, but they're, but they're going up against the Saloons team that just you know seems to produce when they need to, uh, being 6-1 and one this year. So I'm taking the Saloons over the Caputos. It's hard. I don't... You, you don't want to come off... Uh, a Nick Fernando team that's lost two in a row and having to play them. So it's going to be a tough battle for sure. Uh, going to come down to the wire. But I, I'm liking the matchups this week for the saloon. So 
I'm taking the Saloons in a six-point victory over the Minneapolis Mike Caputos. And another matchup here, we have Big Sam with another set lineup here uh, going up against the 69ers featuring Nick and Madison. Big Sam looking for a dub anywhere, anywhere he can. Uh, but going up against the 69ers team that desperately needs a win to stay up top of the East Division. Uh, so I, I'm taking Luke here. Uh, but I'm saying in a close matchup here, I think Big Sam's going to come out to play again. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough to uh, beat a testy uh, 69ers team that is looking to get a dub any way they can. So 69ers featuring Nick and Madison get a 105-103 victory over Big Sam. Next matchup here, we have about that action taking on Dan Fernandez, Vegas Sun, Big Ticket. I don't see this being much of a contest here, uh, especially if Ticket decides to start Zach Ertz again in a tight end spot. I see about that action getting an easy dub here. Uh, I think Ticket, you know, he he had a nice win over Coughlin, uh, but his luck ran out against Holman last week, and, and I think once again Ticket is trending in the wrong direction. Uh, again, and it's it, it doesn't help that he's he's going up against about that action team that doesn't seem to know how to lose. Uh, so I'm taking Lebo here uh, in a fairly easy win, 110-88. to 88. A primetime matchup here. Uh, lots of playoff implications on the line. We have Mike Nassers, McGee's Human Centipede going up against Ethan Holman. Holman here projected to win by 10 right now, uh, but that's without uh, a receiver as Chris Goblin. Now projected to play. Uh, so we'll see who Nasser puts in there. Maybe some Darius Slayton action. Maybe some John Brown. Two, three, and four teams here that desperately need a win uh, to get to that 500 mark and be playoff relevant. I'm going to have to take Ethan Holman in this matchup. It hurts me to say it, but a th- Holman loves, he loves playing Nasser and Bostovic. Uh, I, every year they're shit talking, you know, before the games, and Holman seems to keep eking out big time victories against Nasser, uh, and, and I think that trend continues. You know, I hate to, I hate to predict Holman in this victory win, but I'm doing it. I think Holman wins in a barn burner, uh, three one hundred five to one hundred four. Uh, Sabrina's slimy, you know what? Uh, against the Centipedes. And the last matchup here, another huge matchup, uh, especially for Big Daddy. We have the Dotson bailouts going up against Big Daddy for three. Big Daddy for three, just continuing to play. You know, tough competition. Uh, tough going up against Lebo and bailouts back-to-back weeks. Uh, having to start Levy. He's starting on Bell this week, you know, aiming for that breakout week that everyone's been waiting for for Le'Veon. Uh, so going to be you know interesting to see if Big Daddy can break the two-game uh, streak. But tough matchup you know, going up against the Bailouts team, also coming off a loss. Uh, but I'm going to go for the upset here. I think Big Daddy for three gets it done against the Bailouts. I think the Bailouts... I just think that 
big day for three. He's going to put up numbers. He's due. You don't want to play Coughlin coming off a loss, but you especially don't want to play Coughlin coming off two losses. And I just think that the bailouts have a good week, but the Big Daddy for threes just have an even better week. I think Big Daddy gets it done 130 to 124, a high-scoring affair, even though the predictions don't show it. I think Big Daddy has huge huge production out of his role players this week. That's all the time we have today on the Riddle Me That podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Get spooky this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Get spooky. It's Halloween. Grab a seat on the couch. Eat some candy. Watch some college football. Before you know it, it's going to be college basketball season. So even though the MLB playoffs is done, the NBA playoffs is done, sports are still going. Sports don't stop these days. If you're desperate during the week, we got Europa League, Champions League soccer. So don't tell me there's nothing to watch out there when I just listed you four different things you could tune into uh, in the upcoming months. But I hope you guys all have a great rest of your day uh, and a good Halloween weekend. And I'll see you guys next week. You know, I appreciate you guys for always tuning in. I love doing these shows. I can't believe this was the 25th episode this week. Uh, so it's cool to see that there's going to be that productions keeps going. Uh, and I, I hope to have another good 25 episodes. I'll see you guys next week. Riddle Daddy is out.